Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do to educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only, to learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. Welcome to today's show, everyone. This is a show that I've been wanting to do uh, for some time. I'm not sure why I haven't done it up until this point, um, but we're doing it today. And this is on the topic in the next level human philosophy of what I have termed the three imperatives. You hear about these three imperatives every single time you listen to the intro of the next level human podcast. They are the reasons that we are living in my estimation, the whole reason we are here on the planet, to learn, to teach, and to love. Now, these three imperatives come out of um, deep philosophical inquiry. And so I want to kind of cover some of that here in the beginning, which is also interesting for me because this morning I actually spent, um, last night I spent... uh, Listening to, I'm taking a course through a program called Outlier, um, which is a very much like masterclass for college students. And one of the things I wanted to do is I've been studying philosophy for a very long time. But one of the things that I don't have a formal education in philosophy. I'm not sure that a formal education is always necessary. But one of the things that I have realized getting a doctorate degree And then uh, interacting with self-taught individuals is that there are strengths and weaknesses to going through an academic program, just as there are strengths and weaknesses to being self-taught. Oftentimes, when you're self-taught, you tend to think about things a little bit differently. You oftentimes come at things a little bit more uniquely. Sometimes you can come up with uh, new and interesting things because you are not sort of brainwashed or influenced by sort of the standard educational model. The only problem is, is that the weakness of that is that the standard educational model gives you um, the fundamentals that you may miss if you are self-taught. And so one of the things I did uh, last night is begin a course that I'm auditing that is a college level beginning philosophy course Philosophy 101. Now, a lot of people might say, well, Jade, why are you doing that? One of the reasons is John Kegg, who is a uh, philosopher I got introduced to through the app Lucid, the Learning Ask Lucid, uh, put on a class at um, at uh, Outlier. And I wanted to learn more from him and take his beginning 101 philosophy. And what's interesting is I'll walk you through some of what we covered last night in the first class that was interesting to me and how it dovetailed into 
um, this imperative of learn, teach, and love, which to me uh, is the whole reason we are here. So one of the things that I woke up this morning thinking about is like, oh, maybe it's time to do this particular podcast because it's fresh on my mind in terms of these questions. And so I'm going to walk you through a little bit of the beginning philosophy uh, sort of approach. And then you can see how what was covered yesterday in this course that I'm taking uh, sort of dovetails very nicely, actually, into uh, how I arrived at my three imperatives. And so one of the things that Professor Keg said yesterday uh, in this course, I'll just kind of walk you through it, is he said that philosophy is a really a way of questioning and begins, actually, the, the philosophical questioning begins at the point of what uh, he called indoxa. And indoxa, you can kind of think of it like indoctrination. That's what it made me think about. We're all indoctrinated into believing certain things. In a sense, we're all domesticated, in a sense, in our beliefs. Uh, you know, we kind of believe what the culture believes. And so indoxa is basically the commonly held beliefs and assumptions uh, that culture holds or people hold. And philosophy is really all about um, questioning these indoctra, right? These, uh, these sort of indoctrinated stories are this culture level indoctrination or um, domestication, so to speak. So that's where philosophy starts. And he told an interesting story that I'll just walk you through uh, from the course, and then it will begin our discussion. It dovetails nicely into these three imperatives. But one of the things he said is that um, philosophy is often concerned with answering existential questions. So existential questions are questions about existence, right? So again, existential has the word existence sort of in it. Sounds like existence. It's questions about existence, questions like, why am I here? Who am I? What is the meaning of life? Right. These are the big existential questions that philosophy answers. And so he does a uh, interesting. I would love to get him on. I'm going to have to kind of try to find uh, him and actually have him uh, educate us, because I do think an introductory introduction to philosophy is useful for living the good life. But anyway, I'll have him on hopefully at one point. But one of the things he said that he does is with his students, and he's done this thousands of times, you know, when they first come into his class, he asks them some of these existential questions. So one of the things he will do is he'll say, why are you here? Why are you here in my class? And the answers that he gets are things like this. Well, I'm here to get Credits. I need the credits, uh, the college credits. So that's why I'm in your class. And he'll follow up with, well, why do you need the credits? Well, because I need to graduate. And then he'll follow up with, well, why do you need to graduate? Well, because I need to get a job and make money. Well, why do you need to have a job and make money? Well, so that I can have a family and a house, etc. And you can see how this goes. So there's this very stepwise, future-oriented way that we oftentimes think about these questions. Why are we here? Um, however, that assumes something. It assumes that we will be around. And so then one of the things he says is he goes, okay, well, imagine you walk out of the class or before you came into the class, you walk across the street, you get hit by a bus and you're bleeding out and you're going to be dead within three minutes. Now, why are you here? Can you answer that now? And 
to follow up with this thought experiment, he goes, now imagine you're bleeding out, you're dying, you have three minutes left to live, and I am a genie, and I can give you any wishes you want except for two things. I can't make you not die, and I can't take away the pain or the experience of death. So you are going to die, and you are going to have to feel all the feelings and go through all the stuff that entails dying. But I can give you anything else. And he goes, invariably, once you have this thought experiment, the students begin to predictably say and wish for basically things in four different categories. They want things like, I want to get real with my loved ones. I want to have deep conversations. I want my loved ones around me and I want to tell them all the things that I haven't said and I want to hear all the things they haven't said and I want to get real with them. I want my loved ones around. So this is one thing that people will wish for, loved ones and the experience of having that connection and their loved ones with them as they're dying. But it's really about saying the things that have been left unsaid, loving and and having and getting answers from Uh, the people you love that have been unsaid from them. So that's the first category. The next category is people will say, well, I wish for experiences. I want to die on a, on a beautiful beach looking at a beautiful sunset, or I want to die on, uh, you know, up in the mountains looking at a beautiful vista. So they'll wish for experiences, or I want to die in Rome or whatever. So experiences is the other thing. That's number two. They also oftentimes wish for knowledge. I want to know what is the meaning of life. I want to know what is this all about. I want to know X, Y, or Z. So that's the third thing. And the fourth thing people wish for is I want to give. I want to solve climate change, for example. I want to end world hunger. I want to end disease. I want to end suffering for other humans. And so all of a sudden, this experiment goes from if you have the future you start thinking about it in terms of the things that you will be able to accumulate. However, if you have no future, that quickly gets down the important things of why are we here, right? We want loved ones. We want love. We want experiences. We want knowledge and we want to share and give things. These are the four categories of things that really seem uh, to matter for people when they are on their deathbed. So from my perspective, when we look at the three imperatives, when I asked myself these questions, why are we here? What is this about? I distilled this down following through logic and asking deep questions about why, 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 why. I went through the same thing and I came up with learn, teach, love. Now, when you think about it, learning is about these experiences, right? I want to go places. I want to have these experiences so I can learn. It's also about knowledge. So when I say learn is one of the reasons why we are here, one of the imperatives for living, that incorporates uh, Dr. Keg's, um, you know, sort of experiences answers and the knowledge answer. Teach is really about this idea of Giving. It may also include love. We want to learn from our significant others and our loved ones and we want to teach to them. We want to help them grow in a sense. We want to help others grow and we want to grow ourselves. So teaching is really this idea that I want to uh, share with people in a sense the lessons that I've gotten to make life better for others. And then, of course, love also incorporates those same sort of things where it's like, I want to be with other humans and I want to share with other humans. 
So learn, teach, and love really dovetails nicely into John Kegg's experience with thousands and thousands of his students that say they would wish for experiences, they would wish for being with loved ones, they would wish for knowledge, and they would wish for giving and sharing something unique with the world. Now, when we think about the three imperatives, what we're really thinking about here is we really are thinking about what do we want our life to mean? How do we want our life to matter? And what do we think as aspiring next level humans would be what other people want their life to mean and how they want their life to matter? And the contention is, and of course, in philosophy, you want to say, okay, well, where's the justification for this idea, Jade? So you want to follow and you don't want to just take my word for it. You want to do the same thought experiment that I have done to come to these three imperatives. From my perspective, that's all there is to life, to learn, to accumulate experiences, to um, gather knowledge and wisdom and, you know, be in a place where we can grow so that we aren't the same person that we are at 15, that we are at 55 or 85 or 35, that we are different, that we grow, that we learn. And this is really interesting because when you think about it, the reason it's an imperative is because think about if you're on some level, you made choices along the way or behaved in a way where you did not want to learn where you gave up learning, where you began to see life as, I've got it all figured out. Would you be happier or not? The contention would be that you would not reach the state that I believe is the quintessential ultimate state of emotional, uh, sort of uh, the highest emotional state that a human can reach, which to me would be joy and fulfillment. If you give up on learning, if you stay stagnant, right, and you don't want to learn anymore, then you are giving up, in my mind, a piece of the joy and fulfillment you could have otherwise. Now, let's think about this a little bit in the modern day and let's ask uh, this question. Do we think that most people are committed to learning or do we think that most people seem to be committed to uh, their current beliefs. I would argue that it looks to me as if most people are more intent on proving that what they already believe is right than they are exploring ideas that are contradictory to what they already believe. And this certainly to me seems to be the case when we look at people who are, you know, uh, 35 and above. Maybe we can make exceptions for teenagers and obviously children are learning. Teenagers are learning like crazy. 20s is a time where you are, you know, learning and having experiences and new jobs and new loves and all this. You can't help but learn and change during that time. Um, but something happens maybe in our uh, early to mid 30s where we get pretty solid and we want, we seem to want to be stagnant and stay and we seem to want to just believe what we believe and not have any of these things questions and questioned. In other words, we give up on imperative one. We give up on this idea of life is about learning. I am here to learn 
and to grow. Instead, we begin making the imperative about certainty and stability and safety. Now, to some degree, certainty, stability and safety, which are required and we all want it. I want it. You want it. This is just a, a need, also a need for humans. But certainty, stability and safety to a large degree is the opposite of learning. And too much certainty, safety and stability kills the entire purpose for living in the first place. Think about it. If you were completely safe, certain and stable, you'd probably be in a room where people would bring you food, give you everything you need, and you wouldn't be able to have any experiences or go anywhere or do anything. But you would be safe. You would be certain. You would know what your day would look like. This sounds a lot like prison, doesn't it? And so a lot of people construct a self-made prison because they turn safety, stability, and certainty into their chief imperative rather than learning. This is what a base level psychology does. It basically says, no, I no longer want to learn or grow. I want to just reinforce what I already think I know. I want safety, certainty, and stability. I don't want any discomfort. I don't want anyone challenging me. I want the world to reflect back to me what I already believe because it's uncomfortable if it doesn't. This is a very base level psychology. And here's the thing about that. If you can no longer learn, and if you are voluntarily giving up this imperative of learning and instead moving towards safety, stability, and certainty, your life, my contention is your life is less rich. You don't get to have the experiences that make a good life. And at the end of your life, you will have regrets. And one of the major regrets of the, of the, the dying from Bonnie Ware's work, she was a Australian hospice nurse, is that I wish I had had the courage to live my life in a way that gave me more experiences and allowed me to do the things that I wanted to do rather than taking it safe and playing the safe route. So we know that this is a common, a wish of the dying, a wish that they had not sought safety, security, and stability, but instead had sought more learning and growth and had taking the risks to learn and grow. So learning is imperative for us to reach our next level human state. And the learning comes from one, giving up the base level brain of certainty, stability, and, you know, this idea of safety, which makes us seek power, by the way, because a base level type will seek power because they believe if they're, if they have power, all the power, that they will be safe. They will have a certain life and they will have lots of stability. So they, they seek power, not realizing that power is actually self-destructive because when you seek power over everything in your life and you seem to dominate everything in your life, what happens is eventually if you take that logically to its conclusion and you have, you become all powerful and you are able to control everything in your life, you essentially kill yourself because there's nothing left to be powerful over. In other words, power always leads to a self-destructive process where essentially you destroy yourself by, by trying to control and destroy everything else. And so 
safety, stability, and certainty. We need to give that up. Now, the next thing is the culture level way of thinking. This is where those indoxa come in, those common beliefs, those domesticated sort of ideas. The next step into learning is to questioning these common dogma, but not questioning it in a way to be a contrarian. What a contrarian is, a contrarian is every bit as bad as somebody who just believes. There's two types, you know, you've ever heard that term, you know, sheeple, people are like sheep. Well, there's two types of sheep. Sheep one follows whatever anyone says and sheep two does exactly the opposite of what anyone else says, which means both of those sheep are controlled by people. So a contrarian just believes the opposite of what culture says, no matter what it is. And the sort of common culture level way of being a sheep is to just believe everything that culture says. So we have these contrarians who just go against everything no matter what. They are also sheep. And so what we want to do then as we begin to work with this first imperative learning, we want to question the common beliefs of culture, but we don't want to just throw them out because some of them are right and do have justifications and make logical sense. And some of them are wrong. And so a big part of living is to see which of these things seem to be true for us, but also seem to be true for people as a whole. This is where, you know, um, we have seen the common dogmas be upgraded. For example, we can take an example like slavery. At one point, slavery was seen as just the common thing. It was the indoxa. It was the domesticated belief system. It was seen as just, this is the way it is. And everyone thought there was just the justification for that idea until other people started to come along and questioning that common belief system until we got to a point where we saw that, okay, well, slavery might be good for me, but it's not good for other. And in general, it's not something that is good for culture as a whole uh, as we move forward. And so we have to overcome these cultural beliefs and we do that through learning. Now, the next level human state, instead of putting power as the primary thing to chase, which a base level human would do, or popularity and pleasure, which a culture level human would do, they put purpose as the primary drive. And what they do is they essentially say, I want to grow. And in order to grow, I need to learn. In order for me to do something purposeful and meaningful in the world, both for myself and for other, I need to learn the things that I need to understand to become my best higher level self. So learning is all about growing myself so that I can begin to take the next step, the next imperatives of bettering the world. And bettering the world is where we begin to teach. Let me interrupt the show just for a few minutes because I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Evolve Telemed. One of the questions I get all of the time, one of the services that you are asking me for constantly is hormone replacement therapy. Women going through menopause, women going through perimenopause, women in postmenopause, women under stressful situations who are dealing with 
low sex hormone levels, estrogen and progesterone are constantly asking me about progesterone therapy or estrogen and progesterone therapy. And men, same thing, constantly asking me about testosterone replacement therapy. Plenty of you, many of you always asking, Jade, can you prescribe me hormones? I need testosterone if you're a man or I need estrogen and progesterone or testosterone if you're a woman. And I always have to say that I am no longer seeing patients in this way because my educational duties are keeping me so busy. And this is where Evolve Telemed comes in. I have been looking for a company that does bio-identical hormone replacement therapy. And that is critically important. If you're going to be doing HRT or TRT, HRT being hormone replacement therapy for women, TRT being testosterone replacement therapy for men. If you are going to do these therapies, you want the bioidentical hormones. You want the hormones that your body makes naturally, that your body can recognize, that is no different from the hormones your body would make if you were making adequate levels. Bioidentical hormone replacement therapy does just this. And Evolve Telemed is a company that I am now using for my own testosterone replacement needs and have been super impressed with the way that they have structured their business model. And so I am now bringing this service to you through my partnership with Evolve Telemed. Essentially, the way this works is you go online, you make an appointment with Evolve. Evolve gets a doctor with you on a Zoom call. They go through your whole case. They go through your blood labs. They then prescribe your hormones directly to you and you can get those hormones wherever you are. You do not have to go to a clinic near you. All you need is to have an internet access point and you can meet with an expert in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and get those prescriptions. Now you can see why this is so powerful, can't you? Because this is something that so many of us need and can benefit from for our aging needs, our sexual health needs. These things have profound impact on mood, hair, skin, erections, libido, you name it. These things do everything for our metabolic health and vitality. So I am incredibly excited to bring Evolve Telemed to you. Now, the link that you go to is drjade.com slash hormones. drjade.com slash hormones. This will bring you to the Evolve Telemed portal. If you use the code next level, you will get a discount on checkout for your first patient visit. I'm very excited to be able to bring this to you, and I hope you will use Evolve Telemed. I know you're going to find it extremely powerful to move your hormone needs over to them. Check them out, Evolve Telemed. Use the link drjade.com slash hormones, drjade.com slash hormones for Evolve Telemed. And let's get back to the show. We humans are unique. There has never been another person ever in the history of humanity like you or me, nor will it ever be. Now think about that. So we are this singular spiritual fingerprint, you and I, and so is every human. Now, if this is the case, we have this, this spiritual fingerprint that is made up of our different experiences, our pain, our personalities, 
our unique people that we've been exposed to, um, our superpowers and our passions and all the things that make us us and all the experiences that we've had. This is what makes us sort of spiritually uh, unique. And what ends up happening is when we get these unique experiences, even though we might be engaged in or interested in the same subject matter, like you and I might be interested in personal development and physical development and metabolism and all these different things. You may be teaching this stuff as well, but you will teach it in a unique way. And in that teaching of that unique way, different from me, different from everyone else who's teaching this particular topic, we all get closer to truth. And the learning never stops, does it? So just because we've moved into the second imperative of teaching and giving back to the world the lessons we've learned, we also continue to learn by teaching. For example, if you and I and everyone else listening to this all went to a conference and each of us were going to speak for 10 minutes on what we know on a particular topic, I might come up and teach what I know. You might come up and teach what you know. A thousand other people might come up and teach what they know. And what we quickly see is that in that teaching, there were common themes that we could say, oh, interesting, everyone seems to agree on this. Doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but we can be more clear that it's right if everyone agrees because it's filtering through lots and lots and lots of different experiences. So we can be more sure of the truth of these common things we all come up with. And then we will see that on the fringes, I'll say something different. You might say something different. A thousand other differences may occur around this one idea And then in that debate or in that synthesis of all of us teaching from our experience, we can begin to elicit new truths, new information, new things that further all of us. If we all sat there, we'd all go away. We will have taught things, but we will have learned things and that will have refined our ability to teach further. So you see how this works. Once you get into this state of learning. It's kind of like climbing in a, into a canoe, going down a river and essentially being pulled into these different eddies and different rapids and, and moving in a different place and growing automatically. And then, of course, you can teach what you've seen on the river to other people. They can also teach you. And together we get a bigger picture of all the different elements of the river and what the river is all about. So teaching comes next and teaching is huge because one of the things we need to understand is we all have the ability to teach and influence. We all have unique lessons. I did a podcast a while ago, I think like two or three episodes ago on being a hero. And I told you about this conversation I had with this homeless person, Jordan, and how Jordan had something unique to teach. He learned unique things from being out on the street and he had unique things to teach. And isn't that amazing that we can kind of see? And this is very humanistic to essentially say every human with their experiences has something unique to offer and to teach. And so that the teaching imperative comes next. So not only does learning grow us, so learning grows us and helps us evolve, but it also leads to us being able to teach, which helps us participate in the evolution of the world. And this is partly how we derive meaning. And it's a step on the path to purpose, fulfillment, and joy, rather than just happiness and contentment. Happiness and contentment 
are not something that we humans can maintain. It is a state of being, but joy and fulfillment we can maintain. As an example, if I lose my father or my mother, I can't be happy and content in that moment. However, I can be grieving and in deep pain, but still feel joyful and fulfilled and grateful for what I have done in my life and how I have lived my life. That's the difference. And so as we move from learning into teaching, teaching begins to infuse us with this idea of meaning and I am making perhaps a difference in the world. So oftentimes people talk about we need to get to purpose and they use passion and meaning as synonymous with purpose. But the truth is passion is the beginning evolution to purpose. Meaning is the next step in that evolution. And then meaning then evolves finally into purpose where we are able to feel that sense of fulfillment and joy. So learning is really all about passions. It's about the first step. Teaching is all about more meaning. And then love, which is the final imperative we'll talk about now, is really about purpose. Now, when I say love, and I'm going to do one, one of these days, I'm going to do a whole podcast on love um, because it's uh, dramatically misunderstood. But let's let's talk about love, this imperative really quickly. For some reason in the Western world, when we talk about love, love only has one definition to us. Love basically means romantic love right? to us. But the Greeks have seven different words for love. There's friendship love. There's romantic love. There's love of everybody. There's love of uh, you know, uh, the friendship sort of love, love of learning, you know, etc. Right. So there's different types of love in most other ways. So when we think about this in the Western world, love does not mean love in a romantic sense. It doesn't I'm not even using it necessarily as loved ones and loving friends and family uh, necessarily. I'm using it kind of in three ways. I'm using it as love in self-love when we learn and when we teach. And when we make these two things our imperative, we are imperatives. We can begin to develop a love of the life that we have lived, our unique experiences, our unique contributions, love of what we have learned and how we have grown, love of how we have contributed and how we have taught. So love means this second, this third imperative, love means love of self. It also means love of other. Love of humanity, realizing that I am special uh, and powerful, but I am also insignificant and not very special simultaneously. In other words, we all are valuable to some degree and we all are insignificant to some degree. And love of humanity means that I love humanity and I am fine with taking my place in the ecosystem of humanity and doing my job for team human. So I love myself and I love my station in life wherever I am. One of the things I talked about Jordan with this homeless person is that even being homeless, he can love. He can go out in the world and give and share. And this is the final aspect of love. So this love of self, there's this love of humanity and my place in humanity. But then there's the expression of how I love. And this to me is synonymous with creating and then giving these creations freely to the world. 
So creating something positive for the world that I alone can do and then giving it to the world without the need for acknowledgement, reciprocation, or reward. This is the third imperative. This is what love means. It's not romantic. It means, do I love myself and can I appreciate and be in gratitude and feel joy for the life and the learning and the growth that I have had and the experiences that I've had? Can I love my fellow human by contributing to them and, and owning my unique place in the ecosystem, whether I am rich and famous or poor and homeless. Does not matter what my station is, wherever I find myself in life, I can love the, the things that I have to teach and own and love where I am. This is the self-love aspect and this is the love of the human ecosystem and wanting to play my role. And then the most powerful aspect of the love imperative is the ability to create and share, create something unique to me that is positive to the world that I give in an altruistic way without the need for acknowledgement, reciprocation, or reward. Love in this sense does not say I am only going to give and create for you if you do something for me. Love in this sense says I create and give something positive to the world because I can simply, I just simply play my role. And this is purpose in a sense. So this idea of learning, teaching, and loving and these three imperatives of why we are here are ultimately about us growing ourselves and contributing to the world in a way that only we can. Purpose is simply the humble recognition that I, Jade Tita, that you have something unique to offer and that I choose to give it freely without need for reciprocation, acknowledgement, or reward. And when we live these three imperatives and don't get caught up in our base level selves and our culture level selves, we, at the end of our lives, if we only have three minutes left after getting hit by this bus, as John, uh, Professor Keg talks about, John Keg. When we do this, now we have a reason for why we are here. We understand the role that we play. And on our deathbeds, from that perspective, we get to look back and say, my life had meaning. My life mattered. I did something worthy. I not only got to experience and grow, I got to contribute and teach, and I got to love and create to better the world. These are the three imperatives. So I ask you now to kind of say, how are you going to move forward? And I think we each have to ask this. If you accept that the three imperatives are indeed why we are here, that we are here to learn, to teach, and to love, and you accept that this logically makes sense, this argument I have laid out, and that you're like, I want to begin this process of learning, teaching, and loving. Now you can look back and say, okay, what am I doing to keep myself from learning? What ideas do I have that I refuse to give up? How have I become stagnant and stayed in my safe little self-imposed prison? And how can I begin learning again? This means going experiences, having travel, meeting new people, talking to people who have different ideas than you, maybe going back to school, maybe 
anything, but we got to learn. We need to uh, get back into this learning place. And just that process alone will make you start feeling passionate and alive again. And then once you do that, you will begin to be able to solidify some lessons that will begin to coalesce around all your experiences up to that time and then all these new experiences and these brand new insights will pop into your mind. And you'll think about things perhaps differently than anyone else. And then you can begin teaching this to people by influencing the people around you. Sometimes just the people in your immediate sphere. Most of us, that's all we're able to contribute to. But with social media now, we have much wider uh, you know, sort of areas that we, where we can influence and touch people and teach. So we're learning. We get this passion and this excitement. Then we begin to teach. And by the way, one of the things when you begin to learn is this idea of pain. Pain is one of our best teachers. And I say it oftentimes, pain is a path to purpose. Suffering is a source to meaning. And so realize that one of the key ways that we learn is through examining rather than avoiding our pain and our hurt. Going back and examining what happened to us, what hurt us, why did that feel so bad and what lessons is it trying to teach? Basically coming at it from the point of view that pain has a purpose in itself and perhaps its purpose is to get you to your purpose. And so make sure you don't miss, we don't miss the lessons of pain. I actually think that the learning aspect, that imperative, that's the reason why life is filled with suffering. That's the reason why we have hurt and fears and failures and all these things that, that happen to us is because they are our biggest teachers. So we learn those lessons out of not just the good things, not just knowledge and stuff, but mostly through pain and suffering and hardship. And then we get to teach those things to the next generation or to our students or to the people that we influence. And of course, then we get to love and create things that will further the world. We'll create things like some people, their major creation is their family. Some people write books. Some people do art. But what, what all of us do is we sit and we talk and we share with individuals. And this is our greatest form of creation. We are art within ourselves, right? We are this emerging piece of art. And when we develop this love for ourselves and love for humans, we then want to tell our stories. And our stories are our greatest creations. And embedded in our stories and in our journeys are these amazing lessons, not just for ourselves, but for the world. And so when you think about the learn, teach, love imperative, this also really goes very well with the idea of the hero's journey. The hero's journey is this aspect of I'm going along in my life, you know, safe, stable, etc. And then something happens that upsets the apple cart. It throws everything out of balance. And now I'm on shaky ground. I'm uncomfortable. I'm suffering. I'm in pain. I'm going through hardships. And this is when the learning happens. And I have to learn to deal with this. And I have to learn to cope. And I have to learn and own my part in it. And I have to figure out how to mend my wounds and, and all of this kind of stuff. And along that path, I develop insights. And with those insights, I can begin to teach others. This is what I learned on my hero's journey. And then as I come back as the hero, I get to tell that story in a way that impacts other people in a positive way. And so in a sense, 
Most people think they have to, you know, do something grandiose to love. Well, all you really need to do to love is tell your authentic truth and story without the need for acknowledgement or reciprocation or reward or being told you're great. Just simply share your story. This is your greatest creation. This is the greatest thing that you can give. And you have opportunity to do this every second of every day when you interact with another human. And isn't that beautiful? And that is the path to fulfillment. We don't need to be, you know, famous and rich to do this. We can do this in any place, under any circumstances, no matter what is going on with our life. We can learn, we can teach, and we can love. And as we do so, and as we commit to these three imperatives, we then find a life that is meaningful and that matters to ourself and others. And this is, to me, the key answer of why we are here to learn, to teach, and to love. The three imperatives of becoming a next level human. So the question for you then is, how will I begin to learn more fully? How can I begin to teach more, uh, you know, uh, from my heart? And how can I begin to create and tell people my stories, whether through books or podcasts or social media, or just through most of the time through just influence in general conversations with humans, learn, teach, love. These are the reasons we are here. All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out on the podcast and I will see you at the next episode.